Jacob, I'm curious. Hmm. So we've been gone from school for a little while on vacation. So how was your first week back? Isn't this your first week back? Or was yeah. it last week? <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting lots. I'm sitting over here. So this has been a week and a half. Okay. Because I had, we went back a little early because we went on break a little early. You're on, you're on our old district schedule. Oh, okay. Okay. But uh, it's been good. It's been a little crazy as starts are, but not as crazy as last year. You know, there's been, I kind of knew what to expect. I knew the, what the parents would be coming to admin with. I knew there'd be questions about grades and finals and people that weren't paying attention to their grades until the report cards came out and those come out and people have questions all of a sudden and then I have to dig and figure out if a teacher missed something, if they didn't miss something, if the parents just overreacting to something, if the kid lied. It's just a bunch of investigative stuff that I never really was prepared for last year. Um, and then, but it's been good. We did a reset of norms and I, you know, did the Chastain thing to where, uh, the majority of the APs, we, we decided to do a video instead of an assembly. Um, it's hard to do an assembly when you have each student body's like, you know, 600 kids. No kidding. Um, not, not impossible, but you know, it's a thing. And so we made these videos, and I was like, well, if you're going to make me make a video, I'm going to put Chastain's flair on it. So uh, <laughs> with one, with me and another AP, we did a little TikTok video, and then I also made another one where, you know, I had to describe, you know, because it was like we were explaining, like, the, the new rules or whatever, or not the new ones, but, like, reestablishing them. And one of them, I had to talk about, like, how to be exempt from finals at the end of the year. And I, so I made a mock phone conversation and I edited it and, you know, made it obnoxious and whatnot. And I had kids come up to me later and go, Chastain, all those videos were boring, but yours was pretty funny. Yours was good. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. I had, I had a kid come up to me and he goes, look, I'm a film, I'm a film major. And from one film major to you, I support you. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> so that was fun. Um... You know, it's always always gonna put the Chastain flair on it. Um, I'm gearing up for. The, we've talked about the, the fact that I'm over CTE, uh, career and technical education, um, for a bit. I'm also over the English department, but I'm over CTE as well. And you and I have brainstormed things live on the podcast. And one of the things that I've been tasked to do is advertise our programs, and so. I'm like exhausted right now because <laughs> I worked all day and then I went and set up uh, by myself uh, the tables and stuff and set up the balloons and made sure it worked. And I took uh, pictures and I'm sure I'll post about it and make a probably a video or I'll talk about it, but just something our teachers are going to go there tomorrow and advertise their programs. And so that, that's the stuff I've been doing, just kind of really jumping into <clears throat> kind of, Solving problems as always, but really trying to just differentiate, like now that I'm comfortable with the, the day in and day out of AP life. And I kind of know, you know, every day is different. You never like some days I walk in and it's like a parent issue at eight 30 and it's like, okay, here we go. 
you know, some days my schedule so packed with meetings that that's what my day is. And some days my day's open and that's always a fun time because I'm like, you know, this could be sometimes I'm twiddling my thumbs and I'm like, okay, let's go walk around and visit classrooms. Or it's like, you know, there's a fight and a threat and drama and all this other stuff. And you just, you just never know. It, being an AP right. is the wildest thing you just never know what's going to happen but I, I i know to expect that right like i know within the realm of possibilities unlike last year so i would say it's been good it's been a good uh tomorrow will be the uh my eighth day back and i gotta say i'm tired um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i'm positive about it it's, it's been it's been a solid return this is the time where we do a lot more duty though so coming up i'm gonna be busy um often because we have it's all the sports at once right it's oh yeah it's it's girls and boys soccer it's softball it's baseball it's basketball it's it's everything going on at one time and so um just a lot of things a lot of you know ap's get sick so we cover duty and um when teams do good it's 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 good form for APs to show up to games and whatnot and so you know if anyone has a successful season we all make it a mission to go out together so it ends up it ends up being a lot of extra hours in the spring um which i like in general it's just it just makes me it means i'm tired all the time <laughs> it means it means i'm absolutely tired but that's my answer ochoa that's your answer that's it. Not not All a right. not a thirty minute meandering this I time. Fix them. Say I, I I was ready for a long. You must be tired. <laughs> I told you. I had way more energy last week. <laughs> well, go ahead. Welcome everybody to Craft and Draft, and I'm Pam Ochoa. That's Jacob Chastain, and hopefully he's not too tired to tell us what we're talking about today. No, I got y'all today. This is going to be a nice <laughs> little episode. <laughs> Um, yeah, we are two educators down here in the state of Texas doing what we love talking about reading, writing, workshop, and so much more. Truthfully, today, you know, I wanted to talk about something that I feel like is overlooked and something that I feel like you could change at any time. I feel like people talk about this at the beginning of the year, but don't really address it any other time. But Mm -hmm. it's something that's been on my mind because, um, we had a teacher quit mid year. And we had to, we, we were lucky enough to hire a teacher that just graduated in December. Um, and I gave her kind of free reign on how to set up her room. Um, and lo and behold, she did something that we're going to talk about on the podcast. But before we get to all of that, I want to tell you that this episode is sponsored by all of you. Those of you who sponsor us over there at our Patreon, this patreon.com slash craft and draft. You get all of our bonus podcasts, bonus videos, the craft and draft demo video, and so much more all of that over there uh you can support us just like amanda andrea brandy courtney destiny donna Lori, uh nalissa rebecca sarah susan tracy amy carol hannah jen leah mark matt natalie all do over there on the podcast join them get all the bonus content that we have um come out hopefully better for it. and at the very least tons of content we believe is worth it and every month literally we add more to the value so whether you're joining now or you've joined us for weeks and weeks it just keeps piling up because we just keep adding content over there so don't waste any time go over there now and support us if you can't do that subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any other episodes leave a review if you haven't already let's get to the conversation 
All right, Ochoa. Oh, good Lord. I ran out. I wasn't breathing during that intro. <laughs> Sometimes I do. That's that. why I let you do that. I'll just start talking and I'm like, I oh can't my God, I haven't, I haven't breathed in a while. That's the one thing like I've learned is I used to, my boss makes fun of me all the time because I've, I don't turn on the entertainer Chastain all the time, right? Because AP, like often like I'm fielding angry people or angry kids or whatever. And so it is it's almost like not helpful to have a lot of energy in those situations. You want to be calm and be collected. Right. Listen, you know, you want to be, you want to be the soothsayer in those, in those times. And so they don't see it that often, but then we'll be like, I don't know, at a meeting or we'll meet someone new or doing interviews. And it's like, all of a sudden Chastain comes out and she's like, you really do just have a switch. And I feel like my (laughs) switch is half on right now. I'm very tired. (laughs) I'm so tired, but it's okay. We're going to power through. I'm going to, I'm going to turn it on. I'm turning it oh, on. Oh, all right. right. All right. It's we'll on. see. But, but anyway, we'll back to my teaser. Mm-hmm. So new teacher, classroom setup. I walk in. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. We haven't had a conversation around this. I didn't want to. I wanted her to come in, do her thing, and then we'll work from there. Right. That's how I like to help people. I don't like to dictate and then go. I like to see where people are naturally and then coach them from there. I don't know if that's my been my experience. I think you just dictated what I was oh, going to do. Well, I dictate what you do. You need a dictator. I, I need a dictator. No, I'm playing around. But uh, here's the thing. Rose. Rose and Rose. And uh, I, yeah. and I, were there a lot I, of Rose? Just Rose. And I walk into like the, the most effective classrooms I see. No Rose. I walk into. Yep. The some of the least effective classrooms, Rose. Now, does that mean every classroom with Rose is horrible? No, our even our uh partner that we or our old partner, um, she put her class in Rose at times, right? Like it's not a and I've done it, you've done it, like it's not a anti Rose conversation, however, Rose all the time, it's a no no. I have a quote that I said uh at a training, and boy, howdy, did I get some glares from people. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't my English folk I was talking to. I said, I was talking about classroom sales. Cause I was talking about like conversations, like how to get kids to talk more and have academic chats and socialize. I was like, you want kids to socialize, put them in groups. If you don't want to socialize, put them in rows. I was like, but you don't need to worry about that. Rows are for factories, not for classrooms. And it was, you know, I, sometimes I say things just to get a reaction, but I, I genuinely believe that there's very rare instances where I think rows are positive, but I was thinking about this today. I'm just kind of like, it's just been wedged in my brain as to why do we set classrooms up the way we do? Like I spent a lot of time in teach me teacher talking about that, the book, um, about how I slowly learned to set up my classroom in a more inviting way. And then Rightfully Empowered, I, I literally have a whole chapter dedicated to setting up your classroom that benefits workshop, which isn't Rose. And so I, I just, but I in a, in a more broad sense, why in 2024 is that like the go-to? Is Does it feel safe? Is that why? Is it because we all watched Boy Meets World on Disney Channel and George Feeney, you know, had one of the greatest, one of the greatest 
uh, TV teachers of all time put his kids in rows. Is that why? Is it because we see it on TV? What is it? Because I don't, I don't remember sitting in a lot of. I mean, I guess I did sit in rows in high school. I don't, what do you think? All I did was sit in rows, except for that one reading teacher. We didn't sit in rows. I think in my sixth grade class we didn't sit in rows. It was more of a U shape. Now that I remember, but everybody else was in rows. I mean, yeah. So I think sometimes that's what we know is what we do. So if that's all your experience has been, but it is easier. Why does it feel, why does it feel safe? Is it because it's easy? Is it because, Mm -hmm. is it because we think it's like our number one fear is a, is a out of control class. And if they're looking at each other, that means you have to have more control. I think so. And then your control comes in where it's easy to alphabetize your kids, put them in order. So therefore you can, you know, alphabetize them and then it's a lot Mm. easier to turn in their papers especially if you're not a workshop Mm. teacher and when you you can just pass the papers up and they're already in alphabetical order see you know how i got around that that that's funny that you say that because i were this is Mm -hmm. a you just pulled out a memory that i didn't realize i had so Ah. i here's the thing i never sat kids in rows because the school that i started teaching at was very kagan and they, it was like, a, okay. like you couldn't have rows, right? It was like, you yeah. will not. It's all in force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they told me that. And I was like, okay, right. That's how I started. It just, I didn't question them. I was like, sweet. That sounds great. But I was like, oh my God, how do I get these people? So eventually, I, you know, I had seating charts, which I still swear by seating charts. I think every classroom should have seating charts from K all the way to 12. Uh, yeah. Honestly, okay, I yeah. think college classrooms should probably do it. But what I would do is it's a little, it's a little less direct because you don't have it in order. Well, Kagan, it does. So Kagan, you literally have kids assigned one, two, three, four, A, B, A or A, B, C, D, right. Or A, B, yeah. A, B, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you have, you have <clears throat> your, your, your high. Yeah. And your middle next to each other. Yep. And then you have your middle high and then our, your, Middle high and your gifted are sitting or high is sitting together. Then your middle, the middle sitting low. across from the high, and then your middle low is sitting across from your middle high. Yeah, and there's a whole yeah. philosophy on like who should talk to who when and all the strategies are based to, around you ha- that. And you have to have boys and girls that needs to be. Yeah, you just can't. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. it was cool, and we even had like the the school that I was at paid for. There was an app. It's funny because it came on a disc, which is hilarious that this was still at that time. <laughs> I mean, 2014, I guess, when I started teaching. So it was... <laughs> Joe just held up a cassette tape. There's, Deep there's purple, probably baby. listeners of this Deep podcast. Purple. There's people on this podcast that don't even know what those are. Um, I got my son, it right here. My son I got saw it all one of those for the first time recently. It was so funny. Oh, really? Uh, I remember... Oh, God. Tangent. I remember <laughs> my... My mom, I, I never had one of these by the time I was old enough to care at that level. I had CDs, but my mom had a, a, a case that had all of those like lined up and almost like mm-hmm. books. It was hilarious. I used to look at them all the time. <laughs> I thought it was so cool. Anyway, yeah, I have all that. So I, I never set them up like that, but the way I would remember names is I would be like, oh, this is, this is like group, whatever. And so uh, before I learned their names, I just threw their papers down on the uh, 
on the table. Right. And then I slowly, when they would like pick them up, I would like look and be like, Oh, that's so-and-so. And And that's how I learned their name. So similar concept. So I get that. (laughs) I I didn't think about that with the the whole Rose thing. I guess that's true. If you have kids there, the problem is though, if you don't know your kids, they can move around. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought kids did exactly what you told them to, no matter what. I hated that in my class. Cause even when I had them in groups, they would do that to me. And sometimes I wouldn't notice for like three weeks. And then I eventually I would look up one day and go, hey, you don't go there. And then he'd be like, I've been here for three weeks. Yeah, I'm not moving. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. Anyway. (laughs) But what like I my I guess my question is, is so I guess we've it does feel a little safe. I just don't understand why that's so ubiquitous is is like this rose like it's almost like a a weird meme for teachers like a like a biological meme that like this is how it should happen like kids deaths should look in rows kids should be looking towards whatever like because i i think back like i'm so fortunate i feel uh to have started where i started teaching because like i had an academic coach who not only explain why you put kids in groups and, and how to do it effectively and whatnot, but also explain like your classroom setup. Like you never want kids backs turned towards you. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you're sitting in rows and you're always at the front and your chalkboard chalkboard from old days is at the front, then it, then that's probably the best way that everybody can see you. But we also talked about your access to kids. Because guess what happens when you're in rows? You got to go, you have to walk up and down, up and down and around, Uh like depending on how big your classroom is. Like I I was in a classroom the other day who had their classes in rows and there was almost no room for the teacher. And so the teacher taught from the back of the room. Yeah, I've done that. While the kids are looking forward. I've done that. Why? Because my overhead was over there, and I had to had to sit behind the overhead. Yeah, I guess necessity, but it's like I don't know. It's one of those things. Like I just find it so. Am, am I here? Am I overblowing this? Is classroom setup? How about, how about I've important? done all the setups? I've done them all. Well, I know done that. rows. You've I done weird you. setups in the time that I worked what? with you on your on our campus. There was times Weird where setups. Are you? I've, ta- are you I've gone into your space. No, it's not complaining because it worked for you. This oh. was actually a topic I wanted to hit on. Was your? I would walk into your classroom and it would look entirely different from week to week. And you're like, yeah, this just fits what I'm doing right now. Yeah, that's how I do it. I move them around based on what I need. And sometimes I need rows. Um, I'll need rows mainly for for testing. That's usually when I do rows. Um, but I will tell you that there was one point in time going into a row where I realized how I was younger and I was teaching high school. So, you know, I was younger because I started in high school and um, I had a senior that was in my freshman class. So that should tell you something. And uh, anyway, I it was a test day. And anyway, he pretty much trapped me. And I couldn't get out. So that was when I realized how dangerous rows are at times. So you got to really have a, no matter where you're at, 
in today's world, you need to have an escape. And um, you got to be able to have, like you said, access to the kids is number one. But in our day and time with so many issues that are happening now, uh, more it seems more regularly. I don't know if it is more regularly, but it just sure seems like it probably because of social media and how how rapid the news gets out these days. But it's a very dangerous situation. You can get yourself into one real fast. And and this particular uh, senior got mad at me. And uh, anyway, he trapped me. I mean, I, I was trapped. And uh, anyway, so it was kind of an interesting time. So that would be probably, you know, that another thing too, that I always made sure I do. So it may be why my rose looked or mine rose, my desks look strange sometimes, but I learned also years and years ago, when you put a kid, you're responsible for your room. Okay. And that's the room they give you. Okay. Your principal is responsible for the whole school. You're responsible for that room. And if that room is torn up, there's no better way for you to fall out of grace by having a really torn up room when it's all said and done, right? Because they have to repair it. And I mean, it's, you know, and sometimes it's inevitable because a kid will sit over there and, and just drill a hole in the wall. You know, they're just sitting up there. You don't, you don't catch it because they're real good. They're real sneaky sometimes. So I always made a point that to me, I was young again, very young in my twenties. And, uh, Sure enough, I couldn't control the classroom very well and all that stuff, but I did have them up against the wall. I had a very tiny, tiny room. It was an office, I think, at one time, and they turned it into a classroom, so there was no space. But kids were over there, you know, like with their pens just, you know, underneath their arm, just seeing how much sheetrock they could pull out of the wall and stuff like that. And so I was embarrassed about that. So one of the things that I make sure I, I do is I don't put kids on the wall ever. So I always create figurations that are not going to let them sit for a long period of time at the wall. Can I tell you a story? Uh-huh. So my, f- <laughs> my first, I'm sometimes I'm amazed <clears throat> of, of this podcast because I feel like this just, <laughs> So many things that I just haven't told before. I don't think I've ever told this story. So I get this brand new portable, right? When I start teaching Uh and they're like, oh, you're going to be in the brand new one. Your partner is a, you know, 20 year or 18 year vet, whatever she was. And her room was perfect and pristine and all. She had a set of iPads that they specifically bought for her with a grant and all this other stuff. Ended up being a wonderful partner. Remember, I taught U.S. history my first year, eighth grade. I was an English teacher, yeah. And I go into my side, and it's literally, it's it's a portable, and it's brand new for sure. There's nothing in it. The only thing in it is a the electrical box that works like all of the electricity like in the portable. That's on my side of the building. <laughs> That's it, right? There's no shelf space. There's no cabinet. Oh, wow. There's nothing. It's literally a rectangle of whiteness. Like, that's it. Wow. <laughs> and I remember just going, what? What do I do? And they were like, like, I remember, like, my partner, when she walked in, she's like, oh, okay. And, you know, they helped me, like, scrounge around. And, you know, I ended up getting some stuff in there. But, event- you know, eventually, and then I saw my class sizes. My class size is, like, I think my biggest one was, like, 33. And so I had to have tons of desks in there. 
mm-hmm. this little rectangle portable. And so I really just had room for that and my desk. But I had kids on the walls, right? Yeah. And then here's what happened. Come around December, when I'm like cleaning up and, you know, making sure everything's <laughs> good or whatever. It's, you know, I, 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 I'm I pretty sure, like, I have memories of seeing it before. But when I'm really starting to look at, like, what my classroom looks like, there's just drawings on the wall. There's, like, <laughs> stuff, like, like liner that is, like, starting to be pulled off. Like, it looks like the, a port, like the portable head went through, like, 15 years of use in just a mm-hmm. handful of months. It and so I well. get that. It doesn't. <laughs> like, and it's not because they're being bad. Like, they're not being, like, they're not purposely trying to, like, vandalize and stuff like that. They're just... It's it's almost like too inviting. They're it's like fidgeting. a blank canvas. Yeah, it's their fidget. Yeah, that's exactly their fidget. Yeah, that's their little fidget gadget. No, I yeah, I mean that's that's so so I learned a long time ago. Don't put them on the wall. And then with all the technology and everything coming around, that that really changed for me. That changed how you had to look at your room because you're right. You really want the kids to be able to see have access to all your information, and so. Sometimes you're just, you can't help the way they put your room together. So your overhead screen might be somewhere else, or it might be in front of your chalkboard. And then you got to, you know, so, or it may be on the other side, like behind them. And then your chalkboards on the other side. So, so you're, and you know, me, I use the entire room when I'm teaching. And, and uh, if you could just give me, you know those you know those professors that have they have the chalkboard and then they move it over to the next chalkboard and then they move it over <laughs> and you have all these huge math formulas all over that you know you see them in the movies yeah i would be happy with that but uh so i liked our rooms because they had whiteboard all the way around but i did miss my chalkboard love my chalkboard but so with that so when I'm setting up a room I'm looking at and I'm thinking about really rehearsing and I'll kind of play a lesson in my head to be honest one of my you know and I'll sit there and I'll be like in my mind rehearsing about all the stuff I would need for this lesson you know make sure it's like multimedia and all that kind of stuff because you know, the one lesson that that I've done in the past, it has just as, about as much in it as I can get. And then I, I and then I'll sit all around the room to see if I can see all the stuff that I need to in order to be successful in the classroom, because really that's what's most important is can the kids be successful in your room with the arrangement that you have? If you have a child who is off in that corner somewhere and they can't see everything, then they don't have access. And the, and it's really difficult in some rooms to make sure that all children can see or students can see the entire room. So some of my configurations would be, okay, do I need them to speak together? Do I need them to be just in pairs? Um, my favorite setup now, a lot of people didn't like this this type of desk, but you know, the desks that are, attached to the actual mm-hmm. uh the chairs attached to the desk mm-hmm. not the one that slanted i hated those but if it was flat but there was no pocket in there because the um you know how you can put your books inside the pocket of those flat desks mm-hmm. all you're doing is inviting them to have all their fritos and 
candy yeah, and put all that in there. Cupcakes and everything else in there. So that's a mess. But I had two boards in there so they could see both boards plus my I had my overhead I, you know, on the north wall. And then I had a on the other two walls, I had uh chalkboards and a bulletin board behind the behind one group. So that one pulled them all out. I had rows and and I tried to make sure when I'm doing my setup, you're talking about me having access, that I'm always a minimum of two people away. Uh, so no matter where I'm at in the room, I can be within two people. In other words, I don't have that long row that I have to walk over all these kids. But no matter where I'm at, I can I can I can be with as many kids as possible around the room. So those are some things that I think about. But that that particular group, what I did with that configuration of those type of tables is they were all sitting side by side two by twos. So it looked like they were in rows, but then on the days that we would have sharing or I wanted them in a group of four and we practiced this so the kids would know what to do. But I say, okay, group in fours. So the front desk would turn their desk, the third desk would turn their desk and they would face those people. Now we're in group of fours, just like Kagan. And so I set it up by Kagan, but then I would separate it so that they could also just work in pairs. And I did that. Uh, it just seemed to work well. And then when I wanted to do long editing tables where we were doing editing, then I would take all those rows, those rows, and I would put them in two long tables and uh, just by turning them around, you know, and so the kids knew how to do that stuff. Sometimes I wanted them in threes, but I always did it where I could, they could pick up. I like that because you could just pick up the desk, turn it around and the whole desk and the chair goes with you. And then uh, it was just real easy. So it was very flexible for me to do that. And then I would also put them in, like if we were doing a Socratic thing or one time I did, um, we were doing Touching Spirit Bear with sixth graders, uh, gifted class. So all the chairs, we moved all the chairs where there was one big circle all the way around the entire room, just like in Touching Spirit Bear where they had to do the circle of justice. So we all did the circle of justice. We passed something around. But what the kids had to do is they had to interpret the book, uh, interpret the theme of the book. And so one of my students, she actually choreographed a dance that went with the book. And so they could choose anything, and but they could pick whatever they could to interpret it. Well, to this day, she has a dance studio. She goes all over the world and teaches dance. So it was neat that that was her talent. And so whenever they wanted to, they could interpret the book using their talent. So uh, put them all around in one big circle so that you're in the middle. So when the feather came to you, you get up and interpret the book. So it was really kind of, it was really cool. I miss those days. Those were fun. But that's why that's why when you came in, it was always something different because it I definitely moved the, my desk based on uh, what I needed. Yeah, you did. I mean, there was there was all kinds. Of, and you know what's funny is my mentor teacher, Miss Hammer, talk about her all the time. Mentioned in uh -huh. Teach Me Teacher, had her on the podcast episode two of Teach Me Teacher. Yeah. Um, she. Is she did that? She would move us around. I remember sometimes she had us in rows, sometimes she had us 
um, in various groups. Uh, she had us get up. She moved all the desks out of the way and we did stuff like it was yeah. my the best teachers I ever had were creative with their seating arrangements. I remember seating arrangements. Sorry. Um, I mumble when I'm tired. I uh, when we when I started teaching English, our department head, um, I don't consider him like the most amazing English teacher, but he did a lot of things really well. Uh, and one of the things he did well was he had he loved the desks that were just like the desk. It had a little cubby in it. Right. But it was it was separated from the chair. And yeah, he'd move them all it. the time. I know I hated them yeah, too, but, but he it. he liked them because he <laughs> he would just reorganize his room all the time. Yeah, and so it was that flexibility. Um, mm-hmm. For me, as as weirdly as it sounds, I hate changing my room all the time. I do, I not not like because I think it's bad. I just don't. It's like I it, there's it's sometimes I'm just like I'll do whatever I want. Sometimes like I need structure, and for that like. I used to change and do kind of all this weird stuff. And then eventually I got to the point where I got tables and it was honestly, it was after Ron Clark, but I put them in two rows. I had three tables that were parallel to each other and that gave me room to walk between. It gave me room to walk around and it gave me room to honestly jump on the tables and walk on them like a catwalk. That's I mean, truthfully, that's why I did it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'll never forget the first time I had, I was, it's probably the most energy I ever had as a teacher. I was probably 26, maybe um, 25. Um, But I had uh, my room all wrong, clocked out, you know, I had lights everywhere. It was dark. It was, I mean, I had music going, I had my suit on. It was hot as all get out because it was an old school. The AC just couldn't blow hard enough for 110 heat, you know, in August. And I was sweating my butt off, but I'm on the table and I'm talking to kids and I'm asking them questions. And this girl just goes, does your boss know you're on tables? (laughs) 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 And I will always remember that. It was so funny to me. (laughs) Um, but that's what, so like my setup, what ended up happening is I started, once I got tables, it became infinitely, I just liked it a lot more, right? I could have kids write on tables. I could, it was almost like their little writing groups. It was easy to kind of roll up to it. And I had different permutations of that. And then eventually when we rebuilt the school and they gave us all these new fancy desks and stuff, I lost my, my table atmosphere and I had to kind of come up with a new, way of working but i if if i had to go back into teaching today and they're like you can set up your classroom however you want i'm like give me six tables that's all i need give me six tables i don't even need a teacher desk don't care give me six tables seven i guess if we're getting rid of a teacher desk right we can use one for a small group give me a stool that i can roll around on and that's it I can I could teach all day long, every single day, doing everything I want with that format. Um, and then I'll just put kids wherever. Um, and it was but what ended up happening though is my rooms, luckily I always had room for a library. I think that's super important. And I would always make the library as cozy as possible. We put carpet in there, put lights in there. I'll never forget my last year in the classroom. I uh we had the new school, right? Mm-hmm. And it was all fancy. 
and they told us what what they or I guess not my my last year my my second slash your year. second to the last year yeah sorry it's all blurred I was there yeah correct my second to last year we were mm-hmm. sitting there and they go you can't do anything you can't decorate you you can't do anything to the walls you can't do anything I'm like all right fine whatever but come December that philosophy died and people started decorating right. We started pushing the boundaries. And so I went and bought carpet. I went and bought lights. I redid my whole library. And I remember kids walking in and being like, I, this one kid, he hated reading. Ab- loathed. I mean, you think about that kid who comes in and says, you're never going to make me a reader or a writer. That's that kid, right? Yeah. He came in. He sat down under the lights. And he goes, Chastain, this is kind of cool. But guess what happened? He always went to that spot. He never wanted to be out of the library. He wanted to be there. He wanted to be on the carpet. But that's what I've always said. I have said it for it's 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 a mantra that I just live by, which is and I did it when I was a literacy coach, when I rebuilt that entire portable and I had those kids that really had never had a space to do that. It's like if you make your library or your writing space, whatever you're trying to do, (coughs) sorry, and you. If you make it so inviting, kids want to be there. Guess what they're going to end up doing? They're end up interacting with whatever you want to happen in that space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Space you, is important. If mm-hmm. you want them to love reading, make a space that like they'll make it to where they want to be there first, where they're like, "Sweet, I get to lay here. I get to sit in this beanbag and sit in this comfy chair." Get them there first, and then guess what? Oh, if you're here, you're reading. All right, fine. And then you start making readers. If you want your kids to write like I had kids like I had all this my favorite year of teaching was the year the rightfully empowered kids were in sixth grade and at the front of the classroom I built my library but I extended the carpet all the way across the floor um, and that was because it was where we did our mini lessons. I had them come up and we sat almost like circle time in elementary. Yeah I've done that. I yeah. loved it. My I favorite way school. of teaching. Yeah you've it. told me I that. Did they it loved in high it. school. Yeah. And it's my favorite thing. I, I swear by it. I think it's the greatest way to teach kids is you pull them all together, put them on the floor, give them journals, give them uh, whatever to write on. You get them all nice and close. Y'all teach. Y'all do whatever. But kids wanted to write up there. They would read up there, and then they would write up there. And I was like – and then I had chairs all around the room, like on the on the outside. So in the middle, you had like your typical classroom, and then my perimeters were where it's like this is the publishing space. This is the reading space. This is the carpet where you can do either – and like, it was just this, it's a, such a small tweak. I didn't do, that wasn't teaching, right? I, I didn't do any, like you don't change my teaching whatsoever, but I gave them space to do the things I wanted to do. And guess what they did? They did more of the things I wanted them to do. Didn't mean it was perfect, yeah. but that's why, like, I think that's why I care so much about this conversation is because we don't talk about it. It's like, oh, you have, you have tables, desk. Make sure you have your data on the wall. Make sure you have your objective on the wall. Sweet. Your classroom's good. Yeah. No. Like when I'm a head principal, that conversation is always going to be about what are you doing to make your kids want to be in your space? That is the question I'm going to ask. I and think that's it, a good question. But I and I think it's it's different for everyone. I think a science classroom should look different than an English classroom. A history mm-hmm. classroom should look different. Like it's, and it's whatever works for you. If you can prove that your space works and is inviting to kids and wants them to be in there. I wanted my classroom to be a portal. I, I remember, I, I'm pretty sure I write about this in Rightfully Empowered, but I remember this conversation of, you know, kids are going from class to class 
And they were like, I had a kid go, oh my God, I just, I just hate school. And I was like, why? And they're like, it's so boring to look at. Every classroom looks the same. And I had this idea. I was like, what if they walked into my classroom and it fundamentally felt different from everything? The, yeah. the lights were different. The vibe was different. The music was different. The look, I mean, everything. And what, what, guess what happened? People wanted to be in my classroom. Kids would walk by and go, man, I want to be in your class. It's like, of course you do. I got green lights everywhere. I got music blaring. I'm dancing at the door. Kid, like we're having a great time. Like absolutely. Like that is what every, every teacher should be fighting in the hallway to make kids want to look in their space and go, I want to be in there. Unless you have a whole campus, like that's what the Ron Clark Academy is. People bash that school. They're like, oh, we can't do anything. You know, we no, you can't. You don't have 125 kids on your campus and you have the budget of Coca-Cola and Oprah funding, right? No, we don't have that. But you know what you do have? You have a little bit of money to put forth to go buy some some stuff from Goodwill for, you know, spend $50, don't eat DoorDash for three weeks in a row, and you have a budget to redo your classroom in a way that gets kids to want to be in there. And if you don't have the budget, guess what you also have? You have your energy. Anyone can turn on music. Anyone can turn on something to do this. Anyone can restructure their classroom to make kids want to be in there. But it's 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 a conversation that doesn't happen. And it goes back to what I just said. Head principal, Chastain, mark my words, I'm going to clip this and I'm going to use it in years to come. However long it takes me to get my own campus. The question I'm going to ask every teacher is what are you doing to make kids want to be in your space? Well, you know, on that, uh, even, even that year that you're talking about, uh, my space is different than your space and my, my energy is different than your energy. But what's interesting is I had kids that actually said, Ms. Ochoa, this is like really, I love being in here because it's so calm. 100% and so my you place was more of a, uh, I think for many of the students, I always had that one class where, you know, you had, they worked, the kids <laughs> were pretty rough. And, uh, but all the other classes were like, I just love this. I can just relax in here. And, you know, we play our, you know, my little, music and I mean it wasn't like rock and roll because I, I I never I never trusted anybody to <laughs> I don't know enough about the present day music so I was just safer with Bach you know what I mean at least I knew sure. there weren't going to be sure, some sure, words sure. flying but you know or piano or they always wanted Disney my, my last few kids that I had wanted Disney all the Disney songs so I would play the Disney songs and so but they you know, they, they loved it. And, uh, and, and it wasn't, I think it was inviting. I know that I've got several, you know, how you, when I was leaving and I was making sure I had all my documents and everything, which part of those documents is my appraisal record. And so looking through some of the appraisal notes, you know, over the years, I can't tell you how many principals over the years would say, you have a really nice room. The environment is great in here. So, I mean, I had principals that would would do that. So it was really kind of, to me, that was a really high compliment. Here's the thing, Ochoa. Okay. Uh -huh. <clears throat> I, we, we may have shared this story on the podcast before, mm -hmm. but there was a kid when you first came to our campus, he was like, I want to go to Chastain's class. Cause all, oh, I had like yes. all of his friends. Yes. <laughs> and so 
Yeah, he's uh, now a ninth what? grader, I think. Yeah, he, he probably is. And so he uh-huh. might, I don't know, he might be uh, a sophomore. I bet he's probably a sophomore now. He yeah. might be a sophomore because I, I think yeah. last year, no, last no, year they were eighth grader. grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're freshmen now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep them all. Um, by the way, I, someone, one of the, one of the kiddos, well, hang on, hang I don't want to get on tangent. Yeah, finish I, the story and yeah, then do sorry, that. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Remind me. Um, okay. I, uh, that kid, right. He came to my class and he was like, oh, oh yeah, he Chastain's to- class. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that, that was kind of the thing, right? People, kids often wanted to be in my class because they thought all we did was fun and games. And then sometimes they get in there like, oh crap. Like what is he- like, this is going <laughs> so <write>. fast. <laughs> Yeah, I have to write. I have to read. Like he's holding me accountable. Like, yeah, I do the fun stuff, and I, I, I was in the know with the music and and all of that. But like, I worked hard to train the group that I had. Right, the kids that right. knew me, they were like, oh, like yeah, this is what we do in Chastain's class. Yeah, we have fun, but we work our butts off. Like, there's a reason like we score so high. Like, it's it just doesn't happen if you're just having fun. Now we right. had fun, but they. It, it was it was a nice dynamic, but and some kids had misconceptions about it, which is fine. I understand. You see me dancing, you hear the music outside, you think it's just the party. This kid comes in, and I, he's just like deer in the headlines. I remember I can see it in my head right now. He's just like, "What's happening?" And I go, "You wanted to be in Chastain's class? Let's go." This is what we do. And the kids around him like, this is what we do. And they're just writing and like, you know, and they're responding and they're going into the Plato's allegory of the cave, you know, and they're, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just like all in this. They're seventh graders like hitting some. Well, and like, I think he went, he wanted to be in honors too. He wanted yes, to be in your that honors was it. class. Yeah. And he was in my on level class. Correct. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, I know you do. And he and did so, not, I did not want, I mean, I, I did not recommend that he leave, but yeah. his parents wanted him or whatever. It, mm-hmm. it is what it is, right? We give kids a yeah. chance. And it was it was one of those things where I was like, you, I'm not coddling you. We're in honors, baby. Like, this is how we roll. <laughs> and he eventually was like, I'm out and went back to you. But like, I remember like him going like, like he, he had like told you at some point he was talking about like your like he he likes your your the pace of your class and and the vibe of your class yeah. and so I've always <laughs> said that like not every, but he didn't at first sure yeah. sure but you I mean it, people in the grass isn't always greener right but it's yeah it's the what worked for me in my setup the way I ran my class the way I got kids to want to be in my space isn't always it's not always conducive to every kid. I think there, like, there's times as an assistant principal, 100%. I have had this conversation so many times in the last two years, which is a kid comes to me and they're like, you know, I, like, we don't change schedules willy nilly because otherwise kids would just want to do it. Yeah. But there's ever once in a while we have kids who it's like, ooh, like this kid is not high maintenance, but, <laughs> you know, this kid is, you know, a little, uh, you know, on the, you know, a lot of prickly edges. And they just happen to be paired with a teacher who also has that. And right. I'm like, this is just hell for both of them. <laughs> like, there's no, like, there's no positive to cover this. It doesn't mean anything against the kid. It doesn't mean anything against the teacher. There are clash of personalities that sometimes, not always, but sometimes cannot be fixed by just build, fixed by building a relationship. Right. It, it's just the nature of human beings. And it's not a problem. I think we should have that flexibility. Now, it becomes a problem when, when teachers are like, I still, you know, when they start kicking all the hard to work with kids <laughs> out, like then then it is a teacher problem. But um, 
I think it's it's good to acknowledge your strengths, to acknowledge what you bring to the table, to acknowledge that you know your class vibe is going to be different than mine, and that's okay. But doesn't mean either is better. It what you it's not that's the thing. Like compare I, I like to compare because I'm competitive, but it's at the end of the day, like my rational leader uh person who cares deeply about education brain is what's effective. If you're effective in what you're doing, I don't have any problems. If if your classroom is effective at getting kids to be in your class and not be tardy, that that they want to stay in there and not go to the restroom every two seconds. Cool. That's awesome. (laughs) But if you have kids constantly wanting to leave, you have kids constantly tired, you have kids constantly just miserable, then, then we have to figure out you got to switch something. And that's what it is. It's not, I don't advocate, I don't think everyone should be the Ron Clark Academy. Heck, I don't think everyone should be Ron Clark. That dude is, is he is off the chain sometimes. Um, I don't think everyone should be me. I don't think everyone should be Ochoa. I think everyone should find their unique thing that they bring to the classroom because that's what kids attach to. They attach to teachers who are are 100% honest with who they are, but within a way that works within kids learning. I think that that's what a classroom should be. Well, yeah, I mean, I think if we as teachers, if if the kids know that you care about them and a lot of times, even in discipline and things like that, it's like I I care too much for you to let you just do whatever you want to do. And it's because I care for you that we're going to sit in in this seating chart. Um, and, and so if you if you. If they, you know, they'll pick that up if if you're genuine about it. And so, um, but yeah, I think it's always, you got to always think about the kids and what they need rather than always what you need sometimes. And I think if we can look at the kids that way, uh, it helps. And then even, even those seating charts, what's best for this particular group of kids? If you have... Uh, you know, if you if you have a really hyper bunch and they can't, you know, stand to, you know, they're, they're, they're talking to the point that you can't get them under control because they're in groups, then maybe you should give it a rest and let them do some silent reading for a while, not in groups. I mean, I'm just saying there's some things that you have to do sometimes so that you you still have to be the one in charge and in control of that classroom. Yeah. Um, I remember sitting with... Uh, one teacher years ago and they wanted my advice and they had them all in groups. But let me tell you, it was rough. I mean, yeah, I, for sure. I, you know, and they all were at tables, but the problem was the kids were just doing whatever. And she wasn't making sure they were quiet before she talked. So half of them knew what was going on. The other half didn't know what was going on. They were passing out. She was handing out papers and by the time she, hand, I think she spent 20 minutes handing out papers. And then she, and she had invited me to the classroom, invited me to come watch and give my critique, um, which was fascinating to me. Cause I don't, I think if I'd have invited you to my classroom, it would have been while we were passing out papers. But anyway, they spent 20 minutes passing out papers and then she hands the recycling bin and says, okay, if y'all don't want those papers, you can throw them in the recycling bin. And they weren't even finished passing them out. 
So then the other kids are all getting up and they're all throwing away their papers because none of them wanted their papers. And it's like, why did you do the work if nobody wants the paper? I mean, what was the work for if we're going to throw it away? So I thought that was a message. And then nobody had pencils. And then they all wanted her to sharpen the pencils. And then it was just like 40 minutes in. And then she says, okay, everybody get quiet. We've got this lesson to do. And I'm thinking, you only have 20 minutes to give that lesson. I mean, it was really less than that. It might have been, but it, I think it was about 15 to 20 minutes to give the lesson. And then she's like, well, we're now out of time. And then her question was, what do I need to, what do I need to improve on? And my thought was, have a system to hand papers back. You need to have the kids all seated. I mean, you need to get the kids seated first. You got to get them to listen to you first. I mean, if you cannot control a classroom, there's no way learning. I was I was lost because I just watched it. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, this is not okay. And so I tried to try to let them know about, you know, you need to, and, and it was a teacher that was alternatively certified. And so this was really her first time to ever just, because now we just kind of sometimes throw them in the, in there without all the training that, that I had, you know, and, and so it's just like, and then that's their first year. So, I mean, nothing against the teacher is just, she didn't understand. She just knew everybody said to put them in groups. But even if they're in groups, you have to monitor. You have to have procedures and uh, structure in order to to run the group. And that structure could be like to turn in papers. Um, you know, table one is red. Table two is blue. So when you're turning in your papers, give them a blue uh uh, a blue paper clip and then now that you have a table captain and then they can all you know whatever it is that makes it better but for her she needed something like that because it's all up and down and then she had to yell at them for about five ten minutes just to get them to all sit back down but but it was the structure of the classroom that caused the caused the ruckus does that make sense she didn't know how to structure it. And so I think that's really important that when we are setting up our classrooms, we're also setting up our procedures. And, and so like when you put them in a group, what's your plan to make sure that they're all listening to you when you're doing your mini lesson? What's your plan and uh, when you need to take up papers? If you do papers like that. Now me, we, us, we do the workshop model. So we have our notebooks. So me, I walk around and I look at those notebooks as we're going. It keeps me from having all those issues, <laughs> you know. But for tests, I still, but I usually put them in rows for tests. So that makes that easy. So, but, you know, I just kind of, those are some things that I'm, I don't know why I popped into that. But it just reminded me that she was in tables Set up, it looked good from the outside, but when you actually sat in there, she didn't know how to run the tables. So it's real important that whatever construction you put them in, whatever organization you have in your classroom, it needs to make sense to you and to the students so that you can run the classroom in a way that that uh, helps learning become promoted and, and, and helps the students. You know what I mean? That last like eight minutes of you talking was pristine Ochoa. Like that is that's why you're my friend. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was just so like you were saying all the right things. <laughs> it's because you've been 
and this is good. This is probably a good closing point because it's okay. I have nothing to add after that because it's your, the things I learned from you as a young teacher and the things I learned with you, you know, as a, you know, as a coach and someone who just would bounce ideas and things I've learned from you, you know, after doing literally hundreds of hours of this podcast is, is was some like you have a unique ability to look at the fundamentals of teaching and, and talk about them in a way that is very just open-ended. Like you, like I was listening to you just, I, I was like, I was like a teacher and you were just going, what's your plan for, you know, this, what's your plan for that? What's your plan for that? And I was like, <laughs> holy crap. Like what a great line. Like that is such a, I'm stealing it because <laughs> okay. it, uh, it's such a great way to look at things because it's all of those things are correct. Like, it, like that was my first year of teaching. Yeah. I had my kids in groups. <laughs> didn't mean much because I didn't know how to run <laughs> groups. There. Yeah. yeah there and too. that's, I mean, that's just, right. you were speaking like that was just pure from the heart. Like you have seen so many classrooms, so many new teachers, yeah. so many everything. So, I mean, kudos to you, Ochoa. You still got it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> hey, this is Craft the Draft Lady Gentlemen. That's Pamela Joe, Jacob Jessie. We are two educators down in the state of Texas. Do we love talking about reading my workshop? And so much more. If you like this podcast, guess what? There's literally tons of content that isn't available for free. You have to go check it out on patreon.com slash craft and draft. That includes our setup of the craft and draft journals random conversations pd sessions we did tons of work over thanksgiving break literally multiple videos in a row uh that talks about uh some live podcasts and then an ultimate culminating in a training literally i mean there's so much there so go subscribe over there you don't have to stay with us forever subscribe do what you need pop out pop back in whatever we know teachers budgets are tight we're not trying to milk and dime you uh, nickel and dime you milk and dime you nickel and dime you <laughs> i was thinking of milk you to death um it uh you know we we try to make it something where you guys can can pop in when you need to and get what you need and pop out and and do whatever you need so hopefully that material is great for you there are a lot of people that join us on patreon stay with us for a long time so um i think that speaks to what we put over there on patreon so if you want to join us over there patreon.com slash craft and draft if you can't do that no worries subscribe to the podcast and leave a review we need more reviews you guys that this is a this is a sincere thing if you're still listening welcome hi i'm jacob chastain we need more reviews those really help I, I promise you they help drop a review just hit a hit a five star say they're amazing whatever you want to do it, it'll be it doesn't matter right if you're gonna do a one star don't leave a review just kidding but um anyway come back next week for another fantastic episode and know that we are here for you <laughs> <laughs>